0: Please open your Bibles to Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. The passage may be found in your pew Bibles on page 871. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, which is the translation that Pastor Wes Holland will be preaching from. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man... and is not rich toward God. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word.
1: Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Almighty God, we ask that you would uh, bless not only the reading, but also the proclamation of your word. May the Lord Jesus Christ be Lifted up in my voice that he might be lifted up in our hearts. We ask that uh, you would minister to us by your spirit. We ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. On Thursday afternoon, I was driving down State Road 60. I'm sorry, I was driving from State Road 60 down, uh, down... Kings uh, Avenue or Kings Road uh, toward Lumpston and I look to my right and there's this, uh, this great building that's being built uh, where there was used to be the driving range and the putt-putt golf. I noticed that they have built uh, two elevators that are three or four stories tall and I was also able to tell that they had framed out the rooms. And uh, it was easy to see then that this was going to be a very large uh, storage unit business. And so I went on down, and I can't remember why, but uh, I had some business on uh, Lumsden heading towards 75. So I turned right on to uh, Lumsden heading and. Um, Right past the Dunkin' Donuts, I looked, and there's another storage unit that has been built already and a lot of units included in it. Um, That just got me curious. Uh, How many storage units do we have here in the Brandon area? And So I Googled it. We have 20 businesses of storage units here in our area. And I Googled some of the prices. Uh, a 5x5 five five storage unit, that's not very big like this, you know, not very big at all, is $32 a month. A 10x10 10 10, 10 storage unit is $99 a month. A 20x20 20 20 storage unit is $326 a month. And the website said that these were their sell prices. <laughs> <clears throat> You know, we, we Americans have a lot of stuff, apparently more than we have room uh, to keep it all. And these storage units reminded me of the, the rich fool here in our passage because he had so much that he had to tear down his old barns and build bigger ones to store it all. You're going to remember, uh, if you were here last week or tuned in last week, that uh, the occasion for this parable was a man who interrupted Jesus in the middle of his sermon. He wanted to have Jesus settle an inheritance dispute with his brother. Jesus was preaching about eternity He was telling the people to make sure that they were careful listeners to God's word. But this man was so completely engrossed in his materialistic desires that he wasn't listening to what Jesus had to say. And so Jesus sternly warned him in verse 15 saying, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We looked almost exclusively at the first half of verse 15. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Uh, We looked at that last week and we unpacked the meaning of covetousness in relation to the 10th commandment. This week we're going to look at the second half of verse 15, as it serves as the basis for the parable of the rich fool. And then we'll go on to look at the parable of the rich fool. So in the last half of verse 15, Jesus says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's easy for Jesus to say that. It's easy for us to give an amen to that. But it's a very difficult lesson to learn. You know, we experience this life through our senses. You know, we see, we hear, we, we touch, we smell, we taste. But we cannot see God. We cannot touch God. We cannot smell God or taste God. Now, we can hear God's Word, But otherwise, or we can also read God's word, but otherwise we are left to embrace God by faith and uh, through our affections. We can, however, we can see our wealth. We can see our possessions. Often wealth, because we can see it so clearly, it can have a blinding effect on us. It's easy to fall prey to thinking that our life really does consist of our possessions. That our life really is worth more when we have more wealth. You know, the world around us, that's the way the world thinks. In fact, this next Sunday on the Super Bowl commercials, uh, the commercials are going to be urging us to think that way, to think about the new truck. To think about the new possession, to think about banking with this bank or that bank, to store your wealth so that it will grow and grow and grow even more. And of course, our sinful heart cries out along with the commercials, along with the world, and our, our hearts say, I want, I want, I want, I want more. And so it's a hard lesson to learn that our life um, does not consist of our possessions. Having more does not add anything to our lives. Even if we had all the things that we could possibly want out of life, we would not have any more of life itself. And you know, we're not going to be driving a U-Haul in through the, the pearly gates of heaven, right? Instead, uh, I'm, instead of adding to the quality of our lives, our wealth or our possessions, generally add grief to our lives. Or we could say, our wealth and our possessions can subtract from the quality of our lives. J.C. Ryle says, The more acres a man has, the more cares. The more his money increases, the more of his time is generally consumed and eaten up in thinking about it. And more to the point, wealth and possessions can easily distract us from seeking after God. I want you to look ahead to a few verses. In Luke chapter twelve, verse thirty four, Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if your your heart is on your possessions, on your wealth wealth, um then, um, I'm sorry, if, if, if your attention is on your treasure and your wealth, your possessions, uh, there your heart will be also in Matthew six, verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both, how does it go? God and money. I have a, a on, on Thursdays, I was actually coming back from my uh, business leads group. Um, and the chamber has these leads groups where you give leads to each other. And you have little 30-second commercials where I get to talk about the church or get to talk about the preschool um, and get to develop relationships with these people in the group. And they ask me to do the prayer each week. And sometimes I will pray, Lord, help them to, to earn as much money as they can possibly stand to have. But help them not to love one penny of it. Because... Loving the money. If money is their treasure, it will divide them from seeking after Christ. Having money, having possessions is not sinful. As God's children, we get to enjoy the good blessings that God gives us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Verses 24 and 25, Solomon says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or have enjoyment? I bet you were expecting him to say um, something about vanity, about wealth being vanity, a chasing after the wind. And he does say that. But he says, a chasing after wealth without giving God thanks. Chasing after um, possessions to the um, detriment of your seeking after God. That indeed is a chasing after the wind. It's empty. And that's what Jesus is warning uh, us about here in this passage. But Solomon says, it's okay. To enjoy the things God gives you. Just don't let it rule your life. It's possible to enjoy the significance and the satisfaction and the happiness that life gives us. Uh, We just sang about it. Thank you, Dale. Uh, I didn't know that you had planned that. Uh, We are free to pursue uh, the things that God has given us has good gifts from God. Life is to be enjoyed. But sadly, instead of enjoying life, we allow ourselves to be mastered by it. Covetous desires rise up and compete for our attention. Instead of looking to God and thanking Him for His blessings here in this life, we seek after the blessings of this life as the source of our blessing, the source of our happiness. Our wealth and our possessions can easily become the God in whom we trust. Seeking to find our satisfaction and significance in created things is a rejection of our created purpose. We are called to glorify and enjoy God. We are to enjoy His creation because we are enjoying the Creator. But to seek after wealth, to seek after possessions as the means to our satisfaction, as the way to try and be happy, well, that is to be an idolater. God wants us to to flee from worldliness, not because God is a killjoy, but because it is a rejection of him. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. I'd, I'd encourage you to put this um, in, in your memory. If you are one who memorizes scripture, this is a great passage to, to memorize. If you're one who doesn't memorize scripture, start it as a practice. You'll thank me later. And so... In first Corinth sorry, in first John uh, the apostle writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the the eyes, and the pride of life, is not these things are not from the Father, but is from the world. See, the world is living a lie. And they have no choice. Without God, they still have to live. Without God, they still have to find some purpose and meaning in life. They have to cope with an existence that is void of meaning and utterly without significance if God's not in the picture. And Solomon concluded that living life without God, no matter how many possessions you may have acquired or how many pleasures you have fulfilled, is all vanity, a chasing after the wind. And we Christians can get caught up in the same kind of lies. We jump into the river and go with the flow of culture, just float right along. Uh, we... We don't feel uncomfortable because everybody's doing it. Although we trust in God, we can live our lives as functional atheists. We reach for the same illusory, illusionary hope that uh, the world so earnestly seeks after. We play make pretend and tell ourselves that our happiness will increase if we have the newest toy or if we have the latest convenience. We pretend that contentment and happiness is just around the corner. And because we've become so distracted by the world, what happens to our commitment to God? It begins to fade into the background. We can't find... We're we're so committed to this little toy, that little distraction, this little thing that's going on, and we can't find time to read our Bibles. We can't find time to fellowship uh, with our church family. We can't find enough in the budget to tithe faithfully because we've given out our money, we've given out our time commitments, we've given out our affections to all these things in the world and our commitment to God begins to fade. Our passage this morning is telling us to take a look at our life and to look at our priorities. Take a really close look at what you're living for, what you're giving yourself to. Maybe for your self-examination, you might want to take the book of Ecclesiastes and read through it prayerfully. Our Lord Jesus told the parable of the rich fool to illustrate the folly of trying to live life on the fickle foundation, or to use his metaphor, on the sandy foundation of acquiring possessions. When we stand before the judgment seat and all we have to stand on is our possessions or our wealth or things of this world that we trusted in, will find that we have no foundation whatsoever. As I read this passage, uh, or read commentaries, listened to sermons, studied sermons uh, in preparation for this sermon, uh, just about every commentary, every preacher created a biography for uh, for the rich fool. They you know looked behind the parable and and talked about his motives for this, his reasons for doing that. And I don't think that's what Jesus intended for how we are to understand this parable. I think we are to look at this parable as a whole, and we are, instead of looking at a whole lot of possible um, Possible ways that this man was being disobedient. I think we're to to see basically how worldly this man was. Verses 16 through 19. And Jesus told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. This man is worldly. This man is self-consumed. If you... If you were to count all the Greek words that, uh, that Jesus used in telling the, the parable of the, uh, the rich fool, it comes to 35 words. But of those 35 words, 18 of them, just about half, used the pronouns uh, I, me, my. The man was self-consumed. God was not... Mentioned at all. God was not in his plans. God, he did not seek God's wisdom for how he was going to go about building uh, or, or taking care of all this wealth that God had graciously and suddenly given him. And so we're to see how, um, how worldly this man was, and then verse 20, how utterly unprepared he was to meet God. Verse 20, and God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? The rich fool provided for his life here on earth. He was going to enjoy enjoy in an early retirement of feasting, of drinking, and of merriment. But God said to him, this very night, on the night of your of your retirement, when you have laid out your plans, your soul is required. The word required in verse 20 is the same Greek word that a banker would use uh, to call in a loan. You know, The loan is required of you. You need to pay it back. In other words, God is telling the man that his loan is now due. His mortal existence has now ended, and he must answer to God for the way he lived his life. He must answer to God for the priorities that he kept. Your life is not your own. Your life belongs to God. My life belongs to God. My wife's life belongs to God. My children, your children Our lives belong to God. He is the creator. Therefore, your plans, your purposes, your desires, they belong to God as well. And your possessions belong to God. This man was a fool, God says, because he did not acknowledge God's ownership over his life. Our God is a sovereign. The sovereign king over the entire universe. Everything belongs to him. He is worthy to sit on the the throne of all creation. Thank you again, Dale, for for that hymn right before the sermon. Uh, He is worthy to sit on the throne of your life. He is your creator. He is your master. He is your Lord. He is your king. And he will be your judge. And so the question before us is, what's most important to you? Where's your priority? Possessions or God? It's a pretty easy choice, right? It should be tilted heavily, exclusively. In God's favor, and then you will be able to enjoy the possessions as God intended you to enjoy them. But covetousness, it yells in our soul and the false trinity of me, myself and I. It, it wants to be fed. It wants to find joy and satisfaction in the immediate, in the here and now. It desires things that we can see, that we can feel, that we can touch that and taste and smell. And so it tries to push God off to the side. Because, as Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus ends the parable of the fool with the grim reality that all that that we've accumulated, all that we've accomplished, it all remains behind when we die. Listen to verse uh, 20 again. But God said to him, Fool this life or this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared whose will they be Psalm 49:10 says for he sees that even the wise die the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others How do we avoid this foolish end Well verse 21 so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We're to be rich toward God. Well, how can we be rich toward God? Well, the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 provides us an answer. Verses 17 through 20, the Apostle Paul says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. See that? Just like Solomon. Riches, wealth, they're not evil in and of themselves. God says he gives us these things for us to enjoy. And so he goes on. Uh, They are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, in a practical sense, we could spend an entire sermon looking at how to, um, how to, to build up a treasure for the future. How to build up heavenly treasure. How to be rich towards God here in this verse. But there's a foundational piece that Paul is assuming here and that he talks about in other places. And of course, that foundational piece is our Lord Jesus Christ. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are united to Him. And that entitles to all that belongs to Christ because of our union with Him. Colossians 1, verse 27 says that the riches of God's glory is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul says, "...for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake became poor." So that by his poverty, you might become rich. In the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have been given God's riches. We have the rid- rid- riches of God's redemption through the blood of Christ, Ephesians 1.7. This means that we have the incomparable grace of having our sins forgiven. All your possessions versus having your sins forgiven. It's not even a contest. Our Lord Jesus gave Himself to that awful cross. Suffered and bled and died there in order that we might have the grace of having our sins forgiven. We have the riches of future hope in Christ that helps us to say no to the world, to say no to our covetous desires, because we know that we have treasure in heaven. We have the riches of God's kindness as well as the riches of God's full assurance in Christ. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither height nor depth, width or breath, nothing under all creation is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything we need for life, we have because of Christ. If He did not... Spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? We have everything we need for godliness in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can cry out with the Apostle Paul. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I want to conclude by uh, giving a little example. I may have done it before in years past. Um, an example I read, I think it was in John MacArthur some years ago, about the difference or what it means to have the riches of Christ. Um, and he had a little, little uh, comic illustration drawn out in one of his books. And I guess I'm visually oriented, so it's always stuck with me and the picture was of a king reaching into his pocket bringing out a few bucks and giving it to a, a a poor beggar on the side of the road and he was giving to him out of his riches some of his money but in ephesians and colossians and some of these other passages that I've paraphrased here it doesn't talk about god giving us a little bit of a little bit of uh, riches from christ but rather, he gives us according to the riches of Christ. And so in the next little comic picture, the king has put his arm around the shoulder of the, the poor beggar and is walking him into his royal treasuries because he is giving him according to the riches of his kingly riches. And Jesus Christ gives us according to the riches of of his grace. Believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have everything you need. You need not think of yourself being a pau- pauper uh, or a poor person in Christ's kingdom. You are a child of God. You have the riches of God's grace. It allows you to say no to ungodliness, it allows you to be generous. It allows you to not love the world, but love the Lord Jesus Christ. To store up your treasures in heaven, where your Father is there waiting to give you your glorious inheritance in the saints. Let's pray together. Oh Lord God, I do pray that you would help us to avoid the sins of the rich fool, that you would help us to avoid the mindset and the worldview of this man that the Lord Jesus paints um, for us here in this parable. Lord, I ask that you would help us to love our Lord Jesus, to cast all our trust in him because he loves us so. We pray in his name. Amen.